Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B. Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler, with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our broadcast this evening, this radio show. It's brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments, you can send my uh, your, uh, con- your communications to my email address. It's a new email address, actually, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. If you have questions from my co-host, Send it to that email. Or you can give me a call at Stevie B Media Productions at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. So before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me in the word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion 
of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-hosts on the show this evening, Steve Cotto and Brian Christian Coleman, as they break unto us the bread of life. And also my co-host, Clay Phillips, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you'll forgive us for the sins we've committed in our minds and our bodies. We know our flesh is weak. And we often fall short of thy will. For we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, for we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. Our speakers for this evening in the first segment. We're Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question uh, from my social media platform called Shout It Out that I'll be posing to my co-host, Clay Phillips. He serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. And he'll be answering our question for the show this evening. And to close out the show, my co-host Steve Corder. He serves with the East Park Church of Christ. That's a new work for him there with the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, with Illinois. And he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. I need to... uh, Delayed just a little bit for my co-host Brian Christian Coleman. We're waiting for him to come onto the show right now, so we're just going to play two songs. And by the time we do that, he should be ready to go. Open your Bibles and open your minds, and let's have a great show. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. All right, you worshipers. Time to forget about all the trouble the devil's brought in our life. Give it over to God. Yeah. I want you to know right now is this time. We gotta give it praise. Let everybody worship. Let's worship. Oh, come on, saints. It's worthy. Everything, everything, all the pain, 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 i 
better sign, better sign, better You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman, and his subject, a church founded on a solid foundation. Good evening, my brothers and sisters, and good evening, Brother Stevie Butler, for allowing me to have the opportunity in, uh, in proclaiming God's word and sharing what little I know of his word. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, We're going to begin with verse number 13 to 19. And this is a familiar chapter to those who who are students of the Bible. And the Bible teaches us in Matthew 16, verses 13 and 19, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou hast bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in your Bible. Say amen. I'd like to speak on the subject as the Spirit guides me with this thought in mind. A church founded on a solid foundation. A church founded on a solid foundation. I'm sure that all of us will agree and recognize the fact that no building or institution can be stronger than the foundation on which it rests. If a building is not built on a a strong, firm foundation, that building is sure to fall. If it is built on a sandy foundation, it is not guaranteed to stand up. You remember the parable in Matthew 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, where a man built his house on a rock. Not long after he built his house on that rock, a storm came. The winds blew. The rains beat upon that house, but the house stood because it was founded upon a strong rock foundation. The parable goes on to tell about a foolish man that built his house upon a sandy foundation. Not long after building the house, that house 
was subjected to the winds and rain. And the Bible says it beat upon the house. And the Bible tells us, and great was the fall. Thing on the sandy foundation, I stop by to tell you, it's going to fall. When you build your life on an unstable foundation, I guarantee you that it will be, it will, it's going to fall. Many people in the world build their lives on unstable foundations. Some build their lives on unstable foundations, including money, women, men, their jobs, and their family. And not only that, they build them on man-made doctrine and the commandments of men. In the religious world today, there are there are incidents that have occurred that have caused us to has shook up the religious world. Back in 1979, remember a man by the name of Jim Jones who led his people's temple in Guyana, South America, which and he caused 909 men and women, including 304 boys and girls, who drank a deadly poison concoction and died there in the jungle. In 1993, David Koresh who called himself Jesus Christ in the flesh, caused over 79 men and women, including children, to die in a fire when the FBI and ATF stormed his compound in Waco, Texas. Y'all remember in late 1980s we heard, in the 1980s we saw the sexual scandal that rocked religious world when crying lion Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker were involved in extramarital affairs with younger women. And folks, being, began to abandon the churches because they felt that since Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart had done this, that all preachers were the same. The problem with them was that they were worshiping the man instead of the plan. You have religious racketeers saying that they are healers and can heal you of any disease. Just make sure you bring some money to get some kind of healing. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 John 4 and 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The Bible also says in Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And with good words and fair speeches deceive the heart of the simple. Do you know who the simple are? People that don't know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you will drift. You will believe any form of man-made doctrine that is surely going to lead you astray. And let me drop this bomb while I'm flying over this evening. This is exactly what Satan wants. He wants to destroy you. He wants you to be led astray by every wind of doctrine, and it's contrary to what the Bible says. Man has two choices in life. Either follow God's way to everlasting life or follow Satan to everlasting destruction. The Bible says in Matthew seven, thirteen to 15, Enter ye at the straight gate, for the wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which do thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And it goes on further to say, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. The Bible also says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, 
seeking whom he may devour. We need to remember that our enemy, Satan, is dedicated to his job. He does not call out sick. He doesn't take a vacation day. He don't take a personal day. He's never late for his job. He doesn't even take us a coffee break. Satan is on his job 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we as members of the blood-bought, spirit-filled, hell-proof, heaven-bound Church of Christ need to be always ready to defend the faith. My first point is it was founded on a scriptural foundation. The church is no different when it comes to being founded on a firm or sandy foundation. The church of the Bible must be founded on a firm foundation or else is destined to fail, just like you're building a physical building. But thank God that the church of Christ is founded on a firm foundation. Say amen if you can. The spiritual church must have the spiritual foundation. Otherwise, it is going to fail. There is no man can consistently claim membership of the church unless he is a member of the church founded upon the scriptural foundation. You may ask, what is the rock or foundation of the church? Well, look at our text in Matthew 16, 17, and 18. This is when Peter made the confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said unto Peter, And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter. Christ then stated that he was going to build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He promised to build his church upon this rock. Now, Jesus was not referring to any physical rock, but he's referring to the rock of the statement that Peter had said that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus said, stated he was going to build his church, not Peter's church, but his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, many in the religious world look at this scripture and say that the church was founded on Peter. Many of us have been led to think that it has reference to Peter since the word Peter means a rock or stone. But the original language will not permit this interpretation because two different words are used. Thou art Peter, Petros, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church. Jesus did not promise to build the church upon Peter, who is Petros, but he was upon the rock, Petra. Instead of, henceforth, the Lord's church has not been found upon the weakness of human flesh, but upon the divinity and sonship of Christ. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ also being the chief cornerstone. Psalms 118 and verse 22, the Bible says, The stone which the builders rejected is because of the head of the corner. Jesus applied this prophecy to himself in Matthew 21 and verse 42. Peter also applied it to the church in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 11. So this lets us know that the foundation is Christ. And also, our second point is this foundation is the right, it was founded in the right scriptural place. See, in order for you to know that you're in the right church, you've got to make sure that it is founded in the right location. That is important for us to remember. The right location makes a difference. Now, men in the religious world would have you would have, have built their churches 
that have been built on shaky foundations. Well, you may say, well, a lot of these churches have been around for a long time. They've been around over a thousand years. But we've got to look at what the Bible says. That may be true, but let me drop this bomb while I'm flying over. All of these denominations that are in existence were started by uninspired men who did not follow the word of God. Well, they will argue we have the Bible in our church, but that's not the issue. The question on the floor is, is your church in the Bible? And not only that, if your church was started after AD 33, I stop by to tell you that it was built too late. If it was not founded in the scriptural place, then it is in the wrong church. If it was, if it was founded in Rome, Italy, wrong place. Wittenberg, Germany, wrong place. London, England, wrong place. Switzerland, wrong place. Holland, Mecca, or even the United States of America, I stop by to tell you it was built in the wrong place. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and we're going to find out where this scriptural place where the church was supposed to be established. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and the Bible says, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go upwards of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, and he shall teach us of his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Not Mecca, not Rome, Italy, but from Jerusalem. Now, they were commanded... Now, later on, we see in Acts chapter 2 that they were commanded to stay in Jerusalem. This is after Christ had been raised from the dead. We find this in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. After the apostles watched Jesus ascend back to heaven, they waited in Jerusalem for the comforter to come to them. Then we see in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, the apostles were baptized into the hope with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Many of the men that witnessed this were amazed by what they were hearing. And this is when the apostles, when Peter was preaching the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 7. Then they started mocking the apostles, saying, These men are full of new wine. But Peter broke up the mocking and said to the men, that were present in Acts chapter 2 and verse 15. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, being as the third hour of the day. That means it was 9 a.m. The liquor store was not even open. Somebody say amen. Then Peter began to preach the first gospel sermon and told the men what they had done, that they had took Jesus with their own wicked hands and crucified Jesus Christ, who is God's son. And the Bible says in Acts 2, verse 37, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. My friends, the Bible Church of Christ, the church, the Bible church, the church of Christ was founded and established in Jerusalem. 
My last, my other point is, it was founded by the right builder. You see, if you want to have the right building, you've got to have the right builder doing the building. Hello? You just can't have anybody work on your building. Would you have anybody come in your house and work on your building, and they were not, you did not have, they didn't have the proper credentials to work on your building? I don't think so. We see here in the United States of America, there are over 300 denominations, and there have been many churches that have been built by men. The Catholic Church had Boniface III in 606 A.D. The Lutheran Church had Martin Luther, who built it in 1520. The Episcopalian Church was started by King Henry VIII in the year 1534. The Baptist Church was started by John Smythe in 1607 in Holland. The Methodist Church by John Wesley in England in 1739. I can go on and on, but all these churches were founded by uninspired men. All of them were, were made after A.D. 33. That means they all came too late. Hello, they came too late. And if they came too late, that means there's something wrong with these churches. There's something wrong with them because guess what? They started well after, well after. Hello, they started well after the Bible church. Turn your Bibles, if you don't mind. To Ephesians chapter 4 And then hold your finger there I'll be there in a second Basically all these churches were founded By uninspired men And let me just let, me let you know this All of these churches have many Different differences in them Hello These churches have many differences The days during the week where they gather to worship Some worship on Saturday Others worship every day Others worship on Sunday they have different ways in taking the communion. Some believe communion should be taken once a month, some quarterly, some semi-annually, others once a year, and some every single day. They have different ways of baptizing. Some believe in immersion. Some believe in sprinkling. Others believe in pouring. Something's going on here. Turn you, If you're in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye work worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, one thing that clarifies the church, you've got to be unified. You can't be having your way. You've got to follow what the Bible says. There is one body, verse 4, and one Spirit even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Also, I need to mention that the founders mentioned are not even, not the right builder of the church. Each of these men were not designated founders of the church. Each of these men were not able to say, I will build my church. Only Christ could say that. In Matthew 16 and 18, if I can reread, Upon this rock I will build to hell shall not prevail against it. Christ's church is the church of the Bible. Jesus is married to the church. Just look back at the text. In Matthew 16 and 18, he said, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Everybody knows that it means one. You also see grammatically that you see a single noun backed up by a single pronoun. Also, the church is married to Christ. 
because he wear, she wears his name, my church. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. None of these men paid the ultimate sacrifice for the church, but Christ died on Calvary's cross, and he purchased the church with his own blood. Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And one more thing that makes, makes Jesus the builder of the Bible church is that Christ is the, is the live head of the church. Every other man that I previously mentioned that has built a denominational church is dead and is still dead. Muhammad died and is still dead. Buddha died and is still dead. Confucius, Martin Luther, King Henry VIII, John Calvin, John Wesley, Mary Becker Eddy, C.H. Mason, and C.P. Jones all lived, all died, and they're still dead. But Christ Jesus died. He was buried after being crucified on Calvary's cross. But, the, but Lord have mercy, he got up from the grave with all power in his hand. He died never to die again. The Bible church is weekly in its giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Weekly in taking the Lord's Supper, 20 and 7. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 30. We have no women preachers. 1 Corinthians 13, 34 and 35. Does, and also the church of Christ does not have the minister being called reverend. Psalms 111 and verse number 9. And also, most importantly, the Church of Christ baptizes for the remission of sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Now, you may ask the question, what do I need to do, Brother Preacher, to become a member of the Church of Christ? As I've said so many different times, you don't have to go through anything, anything uh, literally. All you've got to do is follow simply what the Bible says. You've got to hear the gospel, Romans 10, 17. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You've got to believe what you've heard, John 8, 24. Except you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. And he says, and this is Jesus speaking, if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. You must then repent. Repent means change your mind so God can change your state. Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, unless you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Then you must confess with your mouth the sweetest words that you will ever say, that I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. Acts chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. Then you are almost done. You have one more step to go. You have to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Wherein baptism washes away your sins. Acts 22, 16. What happens is baptism has you being born again. John 3 and 5. Baptism makes you a child of God. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And also, baptism by God will add you to the church of Christ. And Acts chapter 2, verse number 47. That is the simple plan that God has set up for us in order to be saved. We don't have to go down front and tell and give our Christian experience. Besides, how are you going to give a Christian experience and you haven't been baptized or a member of the church? Hello? How can you tell about something that you've never encountered? You don't have to come down front and do anything spectacular, but just follow these five simple steps in becoming a Christian. And if you are a member of a church that was not founded by Christ, it was not founded on a firm foundation, 
I stop by to tell you that you need to make a change in your life. You need to leave that church and become a member of the Church of Christ. If you don't have the address of the local Church of Christ, contact Brother Butler, and he will inform you of the local congregation within your area where you can become a member of the Church of Christ. May God bless you. May God keep you. And thank you for listening. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665. Or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the uh, announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this radio broadcast, please contact me at Stevie B Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Or send your emails to my new email address, publicsteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus pandemic outbreak, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice of uh, public assemblies regarding public assemblies or meetings. Uh, but I will be making announcements about the events and activities that are happening on social media. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a nationwide gospel call that is sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights, Street from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will present a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved. As also providing information about the Churches of Christ. In addition, it is intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And this Bible class will be held on Zoom, www.zoom.com, and the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. And daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ prayer line hosted by the Church of Christ from Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And access code is 514-859. My co-host Steve Cordo here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. He has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And if you'd like to purchase this book, you can order it from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There will be, I guess they're about to bring this to a close if they've not, have not ended it already because uh, summer is almost over. And this is a spring summer series, so it might be coming to a close right about now in the next few weeks anyway. Every fourth Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe as he moderates a series of discussions featuring, featuring uh, seasoned preachers in the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. And the topic under discussion has been expanding the role of women in Christian worship, a word of God. A word from the Lord, sorry. And I have a 
two new productions that we're doing on my Tuesday night show, What a Word from the Lord, every third Tuesday of the month. The Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry will be uh, holding a hour of power. they on the air for a whole hour every third Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I have a new production that just kicked off on last month. It's the Kelly Fletcher Show. And that show will air every fourth Tuesday of the month. That'll be the Kelly Fletcher Show. This is a new production under Stevie B's Media Productions. And just a program reminder, Stevie B's Media Production presents, we're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. You can give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508 or type in your search bar www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the What a Word from the Lord radio show, and we have a guest speaker on that broadcast. And also, this guest speaker is from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ, who will be presenting the message from the Word of God. We also have the Community Corner. That's a segment of small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. And my, I have three co-hosts on that show. Uh, Lou Gilbert, from, he's the evangelist for the Open Book Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shauna Oldie, she's with the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry from Nashville, Tennessee. That's the Grayway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee. And my co-host here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the Helen Street Church of Christ, Isa Mullins, the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville. And then on Thursday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And on this broadcast, I have eight co-hosts on this show who will be presenting messages from the Word of God. And each week, we'll have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. Then on Friday night, I'm hosting a, a show at 9 p.m. from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time called Stevie B. Me, I'm sorry, Stevie B. Acapello. That's what that is. Stevie B. Acapello Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. On that broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapello gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And we try to interview the artists every first Friday of the month. And we also have uh, uh, Urban C. Jackson here. Lately, he's been coming on the broadcast. He's been debuting new music on that show. So we try to get him on the show at least once a month as well. But this Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be counting down my top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of September. Now, if you can't catch any of these live shows, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, just type in your search bar, Stevie B Media Production. You'll be able to see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. Now, the, uh, some of the major, uh, major pod, uh, the major platforms, rather, where you can find these podcasts is on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on Amazon Music, YouTube, just to name a few. Now, I have a new sponsorship manager for all my sponsors for these radio shows. Her name is Michelle Marco. She lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And if you'd like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, just give her a call at 954-687-4705. I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors because I appreciate everyone who's been sponsoring these radio shows. We certainly appreciate them. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois. Bethesda Memorial Funeral Director of Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas. 
Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina, Yvonne Blazing Cracker Goose from Nashville, Tennessee, Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina, Marquise Holman from Charlotte, North Carolina, Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina, the first five financial network LLC out of Dallas, Texas, and Ordained Faith Publishing out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, and we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude my program announcements. Just stay tuned. The shouted out questions are coming up next. Stay tuned to the Gospel Life Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Life Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts. His name is Clay Phillips. He serves with the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be answering our question. So let me go ahead and bring Clay. How you doing, my brother? Man, I'm marvelous, man. Doing great. God is good. Amen. Now, I have a scriptural reference for this question. It's from Anonymous Queries from the state of uh, Louisiana. I normally read the scriptural reference, but I'm not going to do that. I'll just let you read it before you answer the question. I just think that's the best way to do it. So the scriptural reference is Luke chapter 11, verse, and the question is, is the giving of the Holy Spirit in this verse in regards to the saving of the soul, or is the Lord talking about something else? What say you to this question? <clears throat> thank you very much, Steve. I want to thank uh, Brother Coleman for doing a marvelous job. And I want to get right into this question because it's a very good question. And I just enjoy uh, teaching and preaching the Word of God. And especially, I take uh, pride in answering questions of those that call in. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And the verses number 13, Luke chapter 11, and the verses number 13. I refine these words written. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Thus is the reading of our scripture. So the question is a very good question. It, it asking, uh, is the giving of the Holy Spirit in this text where it says the Father giveth the Holy Spirit, is this verse, is it regarding salvation or Jesus is talking about something else? Now, the short answer, he's talking about something else. <laughs> He's talking about something else. Let me talk about that else that he is dealing with here. First of all, let me uh, help you understand the measure of the spirit, the foundation of the spirit. So when you start looking and pulling 
uh, questions out of biblical reference. You need to understand the foundation, what we call the expository part of the text. And so let me, first of all, give you the measure of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given in measure. I'm just going to read one scripture, and that's the one about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you the rest of them, but I'm not going to read all of them. Uh, in, uh, in John chapter 3 and the verses number 34, let us know that the Holy Spirit was given in measure. How do you know? Because in John chapter 3, verse 34, the Bible says, For he whom God hath sent, speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. So it's talking about Jesus Christ here in the text. Is speaking of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is given in measure. How do you know? Because the Bible says it, that God gave Christ the Holy Spirit without measure. Now, there is, that is called, what we call in theology, uh, the without measure part. Christ is the only one that received the Holy Spirit without measure. Then we have the baptismal measure of the Holy Spirit. And the the apostles and the household of Cornelius received the baptism of marriage of the Holy Spirit. Why? In Romans 1, 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So here we find uh, the baptism of marriage was given to the apostles first in Acts chapter 2. Then Acts chapter 10, we find that it was given to the household of Cornelius, which represented the Gentiles. Then there was a land on a hand measure of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and only the apostles received the land hand on measure of the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse number 6, Acts chapter 8, 14, Acts 19, 1, Romans 1, 11. Then we have the indwelling measure of the Holy Spirit. Now, the indwelling measure of the Holy Spirit all of us receive the indwelling measure of the Holy Spirit. Every last one of us that are baptized in the Christ. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, then the Bible says they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. So those of us that are members of the body of Christ receive the indwelling measure of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the contextual order of Jesus here in the text. And look at Jesus' uh, exposition here. So to really understand this, we need to look at Jesus. What is he talking about? What is Christ dealing with here? He's actually dealing with prayer. Now stay with me now. He's actually dealing with prayer. Uh, because when you, you get to back up to verse number one, and he will tell us what he's dealing with, what it, Jesus is talking about. We look at verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So here he said, teach us to pray. One of the disciples said, teach us to pray. So Jesus is talking about prayer. So he started teaching them about prayer. And verse 2 says, and he said unto them uh, about prayer. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, holy is thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Die in the kingdom, power and glory, forever and ever. Amen. So here Jesus is teaching them to pray. Then he deal with, he, he dropped a bomb on them in verse number five. He deal with them. Notice that in verse five. He, and the Bible says, and he said unto them, which of you have a friend? So now he's going to drop a bomb on them. Now what, what do you mean, Brother Philip, going to drop a bomb on them? He, he explains to them that when it gets bad enough, I don't have to teach you how to pray. <laughs> Woo! Listen to me now. When it gets bad enough, I don't have to teach you how to pray. So when you look at the text, Jesus said he gives them an illustration of when it gets bad enough. He talked about an individual having a friend, and then his friend come over, and when his friend come over, he don't have anything to feed him. Now, this man been traveling back in those days, uh, walking and uh, mule or horse, whatever, traveling, and he gets to his friend's house, and his friend does not have any food. So he goes to his friend's house to get some food. And then when he finds out he gets to his friend, his friend is asleep. And so he knocks on the door, and his friend says, hey, man, I'm in the bed. Me and my family in the bed. He's not, hey, I got a friend. I got a friend. It's bad enough. So now, so Jesus dropped this. He's teaching prayer. So he dropped this bomb on them. He said, I want you to understand, when it gets bad enough, oh, yes, sir, when it gets bad enough, you'll pray. So, so from verse 5 through verse 8, if you will, he let them know when it got bad enough. How do you know? Because the Bible says in verse 8, he said, that, I say unto you, though he was not raised and given him because of his friend, yet because of his uh, impotence. Because he kept on aggravating him. Because he kept on bothering him. He was raised up and gave him what he needed. So Jesus said, when it gets bad enough, I don't want to tell you how to pray. In other words, you ask me a question that should come natural. Because if I tell you that, uh, how to pray, our Father, I'm just giving you the order of prayer. Now, so he says, then from verse number 9 through verse number 10, notice what Jesus said in verse number 9. He says, and I say unto you. Now, I like this. I love this. Look at this. Stay with me on this. He says, I say unto you. He's not, in other words, Jesus saying, whatever I say, I'm the one that has authority behind your prayer. <laughs> wow. Look at it. He said, I'm the one that has authority behind He said, you, you remember now, Jesus told his apostles, I will send you a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. In other words, when the prayer, when you pray, our Father, which are in heaven, you got to go through my authority and the Holy Spirit. Look at me now. Look at look at this. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle that carries your prayer. Woo! Somebody ever said amen in this. Now, how do you know that, Brother Philip? Because if you turn over to Romans, turn your turn Bible now to Romans chapter 8. Everybody turn your Bible to Romans chapter 8. And uh, let's look at this vehicle. The Holy Spirit is our vehicle. 
that carried out Romans chapter 8, and the verse is number, uh, uh, say some time, verse 23. And not only they, to my, the earth, the whole earth grown for, in other words, the earth even prayed. The earth is grown into God. God, when are you going to come in and get us out of this pain? Then verse 23 says, and not only they, to my, the elements of the world, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown also ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which the redemption of the body. Now watch this. Listen to this. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we patiently wait for it. In other words, Jesus said, now listen, I want you to understand. You need prayer. You After you pray, sometimes God answers. Immediately, sometimes you wait, sometimes you on, on track. But no one says here in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit is separate. Make an intersection for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the spirit, because he make an intercession for the saints Ooh. according to the will of God. So what the Holy Spirit in verse 13, what Jesus is talking about is that the Holy Spirit is our vehicle, good God Almighty. He is our vehicle that carries us. Now remember uh, the friend that Jesus just talked about. He, you remember, as you back up the verse number 5 through 8, he talked about a friend. The friend demonstrated the work of the Holy Spirit. Somebody else said it over here. The friend demonstrated the work of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, and it, 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 Jesus said, you have a friend. You go and you ask this friend, friend, I got a friend that have a friend, and you my friend, help me with my friend, feed me. Holy Spirit, that's what, he's our friend. He's a vehicle. He's the one that provided for us from God. Bring the blessing. When the blessings come, he brings the blessing. So Jesus is real. Turn back to our text now, uh, Luke chapter 11. So in verse number 5 through verse 8, it talks about uh, when it gets bad enough. Now in verse 9 through verse 10, it, uh, Jesus is talking about, notice now, Jesus is talking about I am the one that supply your need. How do you know? Notice what he said now in verse number 9. He said, and and I say unto you, <laughs> he said, I say unto you, I am the authority here. He says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He said, I want you to understand that, listen, uh, I am the authority. I am your friend. I am the one that you come to. I am the thought. God to go through me. I died for you. And so when you pray, 
He let them know when it gets bad enough, you'll pray. And when you know who your vehicle is, you, you'll ask, you'll seek, and you'll not. Then he's, now, now notice now, he wants you to understand the differentiation between uh, the world and how he does. In other words, your friend of the world might not have. But Jesus is telling us, listen, I always got. Now, how do you know that? Look at, look at now at verse number, verse number 11 and verse 12. Now Jesus is telling about in comparison. He's he, he going to deal with the comparison. He says in verse number 11, notice now he says, uh, if a son, uh-oh, if a son should ask bread of his father, will his father give him a stone? <laughs> Woo! Jesus asked, now let me compare the world. He says, I want you to understand, if you ask the father for bread, is he going to give you a stone in comparison? If you ask for fish, will he give you a serpent in comparison? If you ask for egg, will he give you a scorpion in comparison? So Jesus is saying, I want you to understand, number one, first of all, I, I gave you an illustration of how to pray. That's what you asked for. That's what you want. You were about John disciples. So I want you to understand. That listen, uh, I want you to understand now. I, our Father, which are in heaven, I gave you what you asked for. Now let me show you. If uh, I am your friend, the Holy Spirit worked through me. Then, in comparison, I'm dealing with this. Now, notice now, if you will. Notice now, if you will. And uh, then we come to our. Then we come to our text, our lesson. Let me explain that. I got, according to my time here, I got eight minutes. According to my time here, I got eight minutes. Then he says in verse 13, this is what the question is. Uh, is the Holy Spirit giving us, telling in this verse, regarding about salvation? No, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about uh, restoration. And the idea that God will give your gifts. Now, what do you mean? Spiritual gift. The blessings of the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what he's talking about. The blessings of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts. Turn with me now uh, like to First uh, Corinthians. Everybody turn the Bible now. First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. And the verse is number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the verses number 1. It says, not concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I will not have you ignorant. In other words, I want you to understand, I don't want you ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now, at the same time, he talked about, Paul talked about spiritual gifts. In verse number 4, he says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same law. There are diversities of operation, but the same God. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So here we find in Luke what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the gift of the Spirit. In verse number 8, he says, 
For to one he gave by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, to another. Now, now, if you look carefully, you remember, you remember he, he's saying here, he said, I want you to understand that spiritual gifts, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. So now if you back at the verse uh, number one, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, I want you to understand, I would not have you ignorant. Why? Because I'm telling you, if you be, if, if now notice what it says, go back to the text. No, verse 13, um, Luke 11, I got five minutes, time moving fast. Luke, Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, notice what it says, if ye then, then evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts unto your children, <laughs> He says, how much more? So what he's dealing with is the how much more of the blessing here. So he's talking about prayer. So, so when he's talking about the Holy Spirit bringing, giving gifts, God giving the Holy Spirit gifts, he's talking about the how much more. Now understand this. The blessings that were in the Old Testament were uh, reserved only for a few individuals. Uh, the special individuals, the special few, the Jews. That's why in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 10, rather, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 11, verse 1 through 11, rather, that's why Jesus told his disciples, he said, now I give you the power to go out and heal and, and heal the sick and cleanse the lepers, etc. Now, but he said to them, don't go to the Gentiles. Why? Because this gift at this point was not for them. It was going to come uh, in Acts chapter 10. And so here we find the Holy Spirit gifts. Then, understand now, understand this, that in Hebrews 9, I'm not going to try to read that, Hebrews 9, 11, verse 14, through verse 14, the high priest of, uh, I, I got to read some of that. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, I might not get to the but Hebrews chapter uh uh, 9, and the verse is number 11. Hebrews 9, and the verse is number 11. Let us read some of that. But Christ, whoo, been come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more and a perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, enter in once. Know the high priest is going every year. But Jesus is in once. But drop down to verse 14 and say the time. How much more? So with the Holy Spirit, what Jesus says in Luke chapter uh, 11 and verse 13, he says, if ye be been evil, know how to give good gifts. Good gifts unto your children. How much more, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And then wrap this up, and then my time is almost up. To wrap this up, uh, in the book of James 1, Jesus said, If any man like wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to those freely. He said, how much more? <laughs> so when you look at the text and read it in some textual order, it, 
uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, and you read it in its context. So what it says here, if ye then been evil, in other words, Jesus is showing, listen, if, if, if those folks that are out there in the world can do what they do, you know them will take care of you. He says, knowing how to give good gifts unto your children. He said, don't you, don't you challenge me that day. I take care of mine. I, I, I take care of my children. I take care. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? <laughs> so that's what Jesus said. In, that's what the Bible says in, in James 1 and verse number 2 through 8. Now remember now. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. Jesus is teaching about prayer, and he's telling us when it gets hard enough, you'll pray. Now, let me wrap this up. Peter, the only ship, look at it. And the Bible says, that the Bible speaks, Brother Phillips, that it saw a spirit, but it was Jesus walking on the water. And then Peter said, Lord, bid me to walk on the water. Peter got out the boat and walked on the water. And when the storm came and wind, Peter got disturbed and started sinking. And Peter said, help. And Jesus reached down and said, oh, faithless. Boy, y'all don't have no faith. Pull them out of the water. That's what he's talking about. When you start sinking, when you need God, he said, how much more will the Holy Spirit come? God sent the Holy Spirit to pour you. That's why it makes intersection for us as we live in this world. May God bless you. I hope I did a good job in explaining to you that this verse is not talking about salvation. It's talking about those of us that are saved and God still saving us from the war, from the troubles of this land. May God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough. Sometimes it gets tough for me. Has anybody been lonely all by yourself? Has anybody been sad, broken hearted and sad? Have you even been there?
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host Steve Cordo and his subject, 
You got feedback going on, Steve. Okay, I got it, off. I think, now. All right. Thank you for uh, having me today, uh, Stevie. I think we got everything taken care of now. And this evening, as he said, I'm going to be talking about becoming a person of hope, which is something that uh, I think is pretty relevant to what we've deal with in the world today. People are uh, worried about the future, and I uh, have talks with people a lot of the times about what's going to happen in the future. we got political unrest, economic unrest, all, uh, the virus, and all kinds of things going on right now, and we just have a general time of uh, uncertainty. And uh, especially when you, uh, if you have children and you can, are concerned about the world that they're going to inherit as they uh, come uh, up into adulthood. And I've got an eight-year-old, and I'm very concerned about it for a number of reasons that uh, we'll maybe discuss on another time. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And I want us to uh, look at the idea of having our hope and having it in the right place. For a lot of people today, because there is uh, such a decline in church attendance, such a decline in people who even own Bibles or read Bibles, I think the, uh, the idea of having hope in Jesus is really becoming a foreign concept to people because Jesus uh, is uh, not being uh, looked upon as being the solid foundation that we used to. Now, we're going to look here in this context of our scripture tonight and uh, not only talk about Jesus, but look at Abraham. So if you have your Bibles and look at uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and look at this passage where he's talking about the promise God made to Abraham. Now, he says, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of this counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, and that's just a fancy word that means unchangeable things is all it is, uh, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have uh, fled for refuge to lay hope on the hope set before us. Now, I want you to notice something in this passage. Uh, next time some wiseacre asks you, uh, well, is there anything God can't do, just refer him to this passage. Because you notice it says there is something in here that God cannot do. God can't lie. So if he gives a, 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 uh, a promise, you know uh, it's going to happen. And then notice he confirmed it by an oath. Uh, and then later he's going to talk about how God had to swear by himself. Uh, if you remember years ago, the movie that came out with George Burns called Oh God, and there's a scene where he goes into court and raises his hand and swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me me. That's basically what God did because there's nothing higher, no one higher that God can swear by. Now, in this passage, uh, God promised Abraham to make him a great nation, but it took 25 years. It didn't happen right away. And so I want us to see, first of all, out of this passage, we see that our hope is based on God's character. Uh, beginning in uh, the context goes back to verse 9, where it uh, says that there's identified ideas that encourage our faith, such as God's dependable word. Because through the centuries, God has given his dependable word to encourage very fragile faith. He's given promises, he's confirmed it, and we can look back at history and see how they have uh, been fulfilled. And it's also God's dependable nature. Uh, you know, it doesn't do any good to take a promise from somebody if you know that the person is dishonest. Now, we all know people that we know if they come in and say, well, I, I um I promise that I will uh, meet you for lunch tomorrow at McDonald's at noon. You can pretty well write it off. But on the other hand, we've got people that if that's what they tell us, we know that they're going to stick to it. 
and that's what God did. He made a promise, and we know he can stick to it. And then we have his dependable son. His dependable word, dependable nature, dependable son are the three things that can encourage faith and can encourage uh, hope. And then God did all of this for Abraham and uh, for the heirs as well. Uh, and God's promise, according to verse 18, is for what we would call true believers. That is, those who have put their, their faith into that counsel and into that promise. Because hope for it to have any meaning has to be anchored to something real, something that is solid. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my dad and I would go out uh, uh, to a lake out on, on the base, and uh, sometimes we'd fish, and we'd rent a little, one of those little uh, boats that he would just paddle us out, and the anchor was a coffee can filled with cement. Now, that can work. The problem was the chain on that anchor was not long enough to reach down to the bottom of the lake. I remember looking over, and it was very clear. You could see it, and it was hanging a good 10 feet off the, uh, off the bottom. Didn't do us much good. It has to go to the bottom and anchor into something that is secure. So hope to be based on something or to be reliable has got to be based on something secure, something reliable. Our hope is based on something secure. It is based on something reliable, that being the word of God, that being uh, God's son. Look at verse 18, two unchangeable things. That's God's oath and God's promise. That is what we can put it uh, in because we know that if God has promised something, it'll happen. Now, what we have to remember is it doesn't always happen in the way we think it should. It doesn't always happen on our timetable. Those two immutable things that can give us the assurance that God cannot lie, I already mentioned that, and then God does not change. He stays the same. Uh, there's a passage uh, later on in Hebrews, it's not in this lesson but it, where the, the author says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, the same today, the same forever. So God is not going to lie. He's not going to change. And when he speaks something, a lot of times it is phrased in such a way as if it's already happened, even though it might be uh, some future event. Uh, it is a lot of times that way, just that it's already happened. And look at this cartoon where you can see somebody who's in despair. They've fallen down into what looks like a muddy pit and says, I, I just don't know if I can depend on the rope. I've been let down before. But then notice the two firemen at the top with the rope. One is God's oath. One is God's promise. And uh, don't be afraid. Take hold of the rope and don't let go. There are two strong rescuers securing it. One's obviously representing the promise. The other is representing the oath. And there's our text out of verse 18 that uh, uh, gives us, again, the unchangeable uh, things about God being his promise and being um, uh, his oath. And then there's an Old Testament imagery here. In the Old Testament, there were what were called cities of refuge. Uh, if you killed somebody accidentally and you could get to one of those cities of refuge, you were untouchable. That is, they could not take vengeance. The victim's family could not take vengeance uh, on you so long as you stayed in that city of refuge. You had to stay there until the high priest died. Uh, if you wandered out or left the city uh, before uh, the high priest died, you didn't have any legal protection. You were fair game, basically. But staying in that city of refuge would give you the protection. So what's that got to do with us? Well, think of Christ as that city of refuge. You go to Christ for refuge. Once you're in Christ, you have to stay there. If Should you wander off? Should you leave the protection of Christ? You're fair game uh, for Satan, who is roaming around like a roving lion, as Peter tells us. 
And that's a whole other one for another uh, discussion for another time about, about that. But the connection for us that is the, that holding fast to Jesus, that we can find hope in the gospel, that's where we're going to get it. If we uh, have sinned and fallen, because we have all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. In human, strictly human terms, we might put it the, this way and say, hey, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to do everything right. And that's a true statement. And that's what, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, but it makes it a little more serious. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All without Jesus are going to be hopeless. That's a pretty uh, narrow statement Jesus made when he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He said it. I'm just telling you what he said. And that's something we all have to think about and decide whether or not we're going to get uh, or follow the way, the truth, and the life. It's up to you. It's a decision we all have to make. And then remember in our hope also that anchor is needed in life. The hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one in which, uh, uh, one, and one which enters within the veil, the anchor that we have there. It keeps us from drifting. It holds us to something. We have that hope uh, in, in our souls because of Christ himself. Christ is our hope. We are tied. Think of a ship that's tied to the dock. Uh, the anchors are dropped. It's tied to the dock. It's secure. It's not going anywhere as long as it stays secured to that dock. And our hope for heaven is compared to that anchor. Hope is what keeps a person anchored. It's what keeps us going. For some people, that's all they have sometimes when they've lost about everything else. Our hope is both sure and it is steadfast. We have this hope. It is an anchor, it says. And there's a song in a lot of songbooks that says, we have an anchor, steadfast and sure. I can't remember all the, all the rest of the words to it. Uh, and I'm not going to sing here because I don't want to run off the audience. Uh, but notice the points concerning the effectiveness of any anchor. Because if we don't have it secured properly then, or constructed properly, then we're, it's not going to hold. An anchor's uh, got to be made out of the heaviest, finest, best material you can possibly get. Uh, metal anchors out of the best uh, steel or whatever uh, they're using these days for anchors. A second important, of course, is the location. Remember I told you about that coffee can with cement that we had for an anchor on a, on a little boat on a lake. It didn't work because it couldn't get all the way uh, down uh, to the water. By the same token, if we had left it on the shore, the chain might have been plenty long enough, but if you don't have it in your, uh, uh, within your reach that you can use it, still not going to do you much good. When it comes to Jesus, he is the anchor that we got to keep with us. Keep him with us. He'll, be the, uh, the, he'll hold us steadfast if our hope and if our uh, trust and faith is placed in him. Now look at verse 19 which is giving a picture of a ship representing the soul of man and how the waves represent the trials and adversities. Okay, stop and think. How many of us have had a completely 100% problem-free life? I don't know of anybody who could say that. Sometimes, now if you've ever been out at sea, sometimes it gets a little rough, it just kind of rocks back and forth. And there are other times that you're going to be bouncing and you can't walk a straight line on the ship because uh, you're, you're bouncing around on the waves so much. Uh, the winds and the waves are going to come. That's all there is to it. So where are we going to keep our faith, keep our hope? And then there's some important, uh, other important things to consider about an anchor. Uh, when the anchor is hooked onto something, it's not going to move. The ship will stay uh, 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 steadfast. 
And then if our anchor uh, in Christ is firmly anchored, then we're not, uh, then we're unmovable if we will keep it there. And how, do, how does one know that the chain between his soul and heaven will not be broken? Well, because you could kind of call it a double chain. Now, can it be broken? Well, yes, it can. But the only thing that can break it is our own indifference, our own disobedience. If I just decide, yeah, I'm kind of losing interest in this whole Christianity thing, and I'm not going to um, continue on with it, and I'm just tired of it or whatever, then it's, it's not going to hold. If I become I just don't want to live a Christian life. I'm going to live for myself. Well, then it's not going to do any good there either. And then we have to remember that Jesus blazed a trail so that our hope could be realized. There's a close connection between our hope and our exalted high priest is what Jesus is. There's a close connection there. He blazed that trail for us. Have a look at verses 19 and 20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has uh, entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever after the order, or rather according to the order of Melchizedek. All right, so what's all that telling us? Well, moving to an imagery of the Holy of Holies. Today happens to be Yom Kippur. It just occurred to me. Today is the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. This would be the one time a year that the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the nation's sins. But we have a confident hope because Jesus blazed the trail. So our hope could be realized. We don't have to wait for Yom Kippur. We can go into the presence of God at any time through Jesus. We don't have to have a priest anymore. We don't have to have uh, any, anyone except Jesus as our intermediary. God gave Abraham the security of his person, his purpose, his pledge, and we have all of, all of that today through Jesus for all those who put their, their trust there. God gave us another security, and that is his priest, which is our high priest. That's Jesus, who is the high priest. He is the mediator of the covenant. He is the king of kings. He's both priest and king, which under the old covenant, you couldn't do that. You couldn't have one person in, in, um, in, in both offices. He's entering the veil signifies entering that holy of holies to make atonement for our sins. And that's sometime maybe we'll discuss in another lesson because I'm afraid a lot of people today don't understand how sin broke the, the bond between us and God. I don't think people understand the seriousness uh, of it, uh, of sin to God. When God is a perfect being and then there's us flawed humans, I'm chewing on a lesson of that. So let me just ask, how's your life going? Do you have hope or you have despair because your hope is in the wrong place? Or maybe your anchor is strong, but now you're getting tossed back and forth on the rocks. Remember, following Jesus is not going to give you a smooth life. Remember when he took them into the boat and said, let's cross over the Sea of Galilee. They got in. Jesus goes to sleep in the hold. And what happened? They went smack into a storm. And they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And they went and woke him up out of the hold, and he calmed the storm. So just following Jesus doesn't mean it's always going to be easy and smooth sailing. We will still have rough seas. So how about plugging into a new hope that won't let you down, won't disappoint? And if we can help you, uh, send us an email through the social media, contact uh, Stevie through the show or me through Facebook. Be glad to help you out as best we can. Thank you for having me tonight, Stevie, and uh, we'll see you next time.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And if you miss me from singing, singing. and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to glory. glory. I'll be singing the best. Yes, I will. And listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. What a show, what a show, ladies and gentlemen. We are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. Is it our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, 
but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of my co-host on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.